If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Let's travel the world together She can make it easy and in any kind of weather No TSA, no bad checks, no patting down She's talking from the skies and sending lots of feel-good sounds Oh, Betty in the sky, have you heard her yet? She loves traveling, there's no doubt Betty and the Jets She's weird and wonderful Oh, Betty, she's a podcast queen She's wearing high heel shoes Got her wings on, too You know I've never seen a better stew Oh, Betty and the Jets Hello, and welcome to Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I'm Betty. I'm a flight attendant for a major airline. And I bring you stories from the airplane, from the flight attendants and the pilots, and from traveling around the world. In this episode, we have funny stories about air marshals, surfing, folkers, crash pads, loons, and butterscotch. <laughs> Let's just get on with the show. I think what happened was somebody passed out, but it was really quick, wasn't it? Yeah, he just, somebody said, man down. And so the newbie and I started running over to the man, and he looked bad. Yeah. He did look bad. And so... We, we did all the right things, you know, he stayed with them. I, I did everything else like a woman does, you know, got the equipment, you know, told the A-line for the captain, you know, pays for the, I did it all. But anyway, that's another story. But this woman at the same time that I was telling, the, the calling the purser to tell her that there was a man down, this woman from coach ran to business screaming, where are their marshals? Where are their marshals? And, and and I said, what does the woman want the air marshals to do? Shoot the man and put him out of his misery? <laughs> when I commute into work, I get there so early because I'm flying standby and I have to give myself backup. So. Consequently, I am in the crew lounge for hours and hours and hours. And during this time, I try to catch up on emails, things like that. But I also, if I'm traveling somewhere that I don't go that often, uh, I'll just research what there's to do there. You know, I'll look up like events in Paris in July 2014, just to see if something's going on that I might want to join. So I was going to Munich and I started looking up, you know, things to do in Munich. And I saw that one of the attractions is there, they have a big park called the English Garden. And then I was reading, this is Munich, Germany. I was reading that they surf there. And I was thinking, they surf? In Munich? Well, that sounds like something I might want to check out because it just seems so odd because obviously there's no ocean there. So what, they, they, they surf in the, in the river? So 
we have a very large uh, ladies bathroom because there's so many of us and lots of times we're you know you know fixing our makeup and stuff so there's like a big mirror and there's chairs and so <laughs> lots of times we're chatting in the bathroom people change their clothes in there so I saw a German speaker that I've flown with quite a bit in the bathroom so I say to her um you know, she's like, where are you going today? That's what we always say to each other. So where are you going today? So where are you going today? <laughs> and uh, I said I was going to Munich and uh, she was going to, I don't know, somewhere else in Germany, maybe Frankfurt. And I said, oh, hey, um, I was just looking online and it says that they 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 surf in the English garden in Munich. And now at this point, she's going into a stall, but we're still talking. It's just kind of normal too. I don't know if that should be normal talking to people while they're in a stall, but <laughs> it is. So I said, uh, how do they, how do they surf there? And she's like, oh, with, um, sauerkraut and beer. And I was like, what? <laughs> Again, well, that's awfully German surfing with sauerkraut and beer. <laughs> and I said, they surf with, with, with sauerkraut and beer. And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, I don't understand. How do, how do they how do they surf there? And she's like, you know, it's like bar food. And I'm like, I'm saying surf, you know, like surfboard. And then she's like, oh, I thought you were saying serve. <laughs> and we we're both laughing, picturing Germans surfing in the river with sauerkraut and beer. What time is it where you I was flying with a guy. And he was telling me when they landed in Florida, something happened. He didn't, he didn't go into specifics, but there was fire coming out of their engines. And the other airplanes noticed, called the tower, and the tower sent out the fire trucks. And they were foamed. You know, they were sprayed with fire retardant foam. And this happens very infrequently. I've only been foamed once in all the years I've been flying. Uh, one time... The pilots were afraid there was something wrong with our landing gear, which means if it didn't come down, we'd have to do a belly landing, which is very dangerous. So they had foamed the runway before we even landed. And then our, our gear came down. It was no problem. So it's it's highly unusual that the fire trucks are foaming your airplane. But here they are landing in Florida. Um, you know, they're afraid they might have to do a emergency evacuation, have to go down the slides. You know, if there's fire, you know. When in doubt, get out. So anyway, here comes this Indian man with his boarding card out saying, um, what's about my connection? <laughs> and this flight attendant was like, hey, man, can you can you wait to make sure we want to make sure we're not on fire? You know, we're getting foamed. <laughs> we'll worry about your connection later. We're getting foamed. Okay, so you have another story? Uh, I do. Okay. We were on the Fokker, and I was the captain on it. <laughs> Just saying that is good to me. <laughs> it's another Fokker story. We pulled up to the gate, and everybody got off except for this one old lady sitting in the coach. And she was asleep, and we couldn't wake her up. So one of the flight attendants went back there and shook her, and she still didn't wake up. Um, so finally they got her up. She was groggy. She gets in there. I'm standing in the jetway saying goodbye to everybody and just waiting for this lady to get off so we can go. She comes up there, the flight attendant's behind her, she gets to the door, turns around, and just starts punching on them, just beating them. We don't know that. So (laughs) I told the first officer to call security. So 
you know, airport security. This is an old lady. She's about 80, but she's just wailing on this flight, and it's a male flight attendant. Um, so he can't hit her back. He's just trying to cover up. <laughs> so I tell the first officer, call security. Security comes down there, arrests her, put her in handcuffs, takes her down the jetway to the police car. And yet, we thought it was over. So we go up the jetway, you know, going to the hotel. And this was back when people could come down to the jetway right. before security. And um, her whole family was up there with welcome home grandma <laughs> signs and balloons. <laughs> And you could see out the jetway, Grandma in the squad car. <laughs> so, that was another focus story. So, in the last episode, I was talking about that a nice listener named Stefan had emailed me, actually he had put on Twitter, a picture of a... Betty the stewardess doll that he saw for sale in the Hamburg airport. Um, and I found it all very curious. Now, Stefan had been, has been so nice. He not only sent me one doll, but he sent me two from him and his friend Lothar. They both sent me two Betty the stewardess dolls. And you know what? I still don't know <laughs> if I think it has anything to do with me or my podcast because I just do think it's strange that there would be a Betty the Stewardess doll. I'm not so egomaniac that I think everything is about me, but this doll, <laughs> it doesn't have an, it's not attached to an airline, and it's got a big B in the background of the little um, backpack that the Stewardess doll is in, and it's got a B on the suitcase. It's got headphones on the suitcase, which would be like for a podcast, and normally a stewardess wouldn't have Stewardess doll wouldn't have headphones, picture of headphones on the on the suitcase. So I really do still think <laughs> I don't know what to think about the Betty the Stewardess doll. I mean, I like it. It's cute. Uh, I'm not putting it out there or anything. And if maybe somebody put it out there thinking that you know my little podcast is popular enough that people would buy a Betty the Stewardess doll, I don't know. It's still kind of a mystery. So I had a friend visiting here. We worked at People Express together, and now we're at different airlines. And she's always had a crash pad. And I've never participated in this uniquely airline phenomenon. Uh, but I never really thought I wanted to, because lots of times it's, you know, like 20 people sharing an apartment, you know, in New York or any place that's expensive. And you need to spend, you know, two to five nights a month in your base city and you don't live there but I've heard so many stories about them and lots of times they're dirty and you can imagine you know if you're sharing a small space with 20 30 other people it, it would get dirty because who's cleaning it so my friend had what I thought was an ingenious idea and I I've never heard of it before I mean I've been flying a long time I never heard of this type of crash pad before but she actually rented a hotel room, a two-room hotel room. So they have one bedroom, a living room area, and they 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 rent it for the whole month. And there's 22 of them, and they share the cost. So they have brought in, and I guess she arranged it with the hotel, and they're fine with it because the room's rented forever. Um, and this way they have transportation to and from the airport. And they got uh, three sets of bunk beds 
brought him in there in a refrigerator and a coffee maker. And, you know, they're, I guess they're not there enough because I'm like, well, what happens if all 22 or you are there? And she's like, it's never happened. I'm like, but I, I would be afraid of the one time that it would. And you've got six bunk beds. She's like, well, there's a couch. And then I guess after that, you know, it'd be on the floor. Boy, you know, what we do to fly. And here is a story that uh, Stefan, the nice listener from Hamburg, who sent me the mysterious <laughs> Betty the Stewardess dolls. Here's a story from him. Okay, this is a story from the early 90s. I was a first officer on uh, Airbus A300. I was uh, rather young, 26 years old, and I was flying very regularly between the city of Hamburg and Frankfurt. And uh, at that time, since we were flying very regularly, the captains were studying the uh, passenger list quite often and uh, was looking who, was, who will be on board. Maybe they, they know somebody. So as my captain was looking at the list, he saw a name of a passenger it's called Johannes Frömming. And he said, Hänschen macht das schon. What means in English... Well, Hansien or Hans, he will get it done. He will make it. And I said, what is this? And he said, oh, well, we have a name, passenger. He is a wheelchair carrier, a wheelchair stepper. And um, and uh, maybe it's uh, Hans Frömming. I don't know him. Um, but my father was always saying this sentence. Um, Hansien, Hans, he will get it done. And he said, I said, who is that? Well, it was a very famous horse harness rider race rider uh, on uh, horses in in the 50s starting his career in the 30s and his uh, so he was very famous in the 50s and 60s even in in America he won some races I later read then the staircases came so they have to walk back down the staircases and the Airbus 300 is a quite large aircraft so they it was it was a high stairs and I was standing there was getting off the aircraft, we have an aircraft change, and there was a passenger next to me who was looking down the stairs, and it was a very old man, and the stewardess said to me, oh, this is our wheelchair stepper, and then looked at him, and he said, and said to him, just as a curiosity, are you Hans Firming? And he's, he looked very, very puzzled, and he said, are you Hans Firming, the very famous horse rider? And he started looking at me again, and and, I said, and after a while I said, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't offend you. But he said, yes, yes, that's me. But that was very long time ago. And I later read that he was 86 or something, and he looked at me as a young man, and he he suddenly looked at me, and I, I knew that I knew him, that was very, it must have, I don't know, I m most probably gave him a couple of another years to live. He was floating down the the stairs like a young man he was looking at me he was waving at me and i think well i made him a very good day that day most probably more just by me as a young man remembering him so i was on that flight when the girl was telling the story about uh where are the air marshals and I was up in business class, and we hadn't even heard there was a problem yet. And this woman comes running up from coach. She wasn't with the person who passed out. She wasn't even, you know, she wasn't traveling with them. She was just a, a, a coach 
passenger, she comes running up to business class. We have heard nil about any problem. Uh, we're just putting stuff away in the galley. And she comes running up and goes, you aren't doing enough about this. That You need to be taking this more seriously. Why haven't you paid for a, a doctor? And as she's yelling, the phone rings to tell us there's something going on. And then she's like, why haven't you paid for a doctor? And right as she's saying that, we hear the PA, ladies and gentlemen, if there's a medical professional on board. And her like eyes were all bugged out. I don't know. I don't know what the deal was with this woman. But then she was like, "And where are the air marshals?" So I live here by the beach, and I just love the ocean. I really do. I, I there's something about it that's just so calming. And lots of times I take my chair and I I read a book, and then I swim, and then I read and I swim. And sometimes I'll take nice long walks on the beach, and. The other day, I'm walking at the beach, and I'd like to walk um, away from the tourists so you get to more of like a deserted part of the beach. And I'm walking, and all of a sudden, these sunglasses, sunglasses come washing up. And there's nobody around, so it's not like I I, I would have, if somebody was in the ocean, I would assume that they were theirs, but there wasn't anybody around. And so I'm looking at them, and they're Chanel sunglasses. Granted, they're probably knockoff Chanel sunglasses, but I washed them off and uh, they look great. (laughs) I've been wearing my sunglasses that were gifts from the sea. But what was weird that day was I was still walking after I found my Chanel sunglasses and uh, some ribbon washed up. And I'm assuming it was ribbon from like balloons or something. But it was weird to me because it's like, okay, my sunglasses were gift wrapped. (laughs) Boy, the ocean is very... um, lovely to give me gifts and wrap them but this is the really weird part and I I actually had to look around after this because I got sunglasses and the ribbon and I walk a little further and all of a sudden there's a perfect red rose alive perfect red rose washes up and I was thinking well this is crazy it's like I'm on a date with the ocean. I mean, like, it's like gifts from the sea. And I was like looking around and I'm thinking, what's next? Chocolate? Wine? <laughs> what time is it where you are? Wait, what? What did you do? <laughs> no, wait, what happened? I walked through the island. I saw two people making love. Uh, could you see parts? Yes. Oh. I saw nipples. <laughs> so did you say something to him? He was sucking away like a baby. But what did you say? Nothing. I, I, I was shocked. I was speechless. I, I ran all the way up to the front. <laughs> what, is, what do you do if you see someone making love on the aircraft? She says, give them a blanket. <laughs> is that what you did? No. I said, okay, you go give them a blanket. I'm not going back there. I want to thank all of you who went to my website, bettingthesky.com, if you were going to purchase something on Amazon. Because if you're going to buy something on Amazon, and let's face it, they have everything. I use it all the time. Uh, If you go to my website, bettingthesky.com, click on the Amazon links. It doesn't cost you any more, but you support the show. And it's just good all around. Thank you so much. I've mentioned quite a bit that we get crew rest on international flights. And 
we actually get a bunk and you get to lay flat and you've got a pillow and a duvet, like a down duvet and a curtain for privacy. I mean, it really, it's much nicer than, you know, the environment a, a coach passenger has. And this is what irritates me. Not that it's not nice, because it is. If you ask me, it's really nice. But lots of times I can't sleep. And I find that frustrating because why can't I sleep when I have, I can lay flat and I've got a pillow and a blanket and a curtain. And uh, so sometimes I will try to meditate because, you know, I figure if I can't sleep, at least that's supposed to be good for you. And I don't do it as much as I probably should. And, you know, the thing that's funny to me is I can't sleep in crew rest with all my, you know, the lay flat and the pillow and the blanket and the curtain. But I get on my commuter flight home, my short commuter flight home. I'm usually sitting in a middle seat next to two strangers sitting upright. And I, I zonk out in a minute. Like, <laughs> why is it then I can't sleep in a nicer environment? I think it's partially because it's like a hurry up and sleep. You know, like we're working, working, working. Okay, crew rest. Okay, okay, hurry up, go to sleep. And I think it's, you know, you just don't have the wind down time. So like I said, I try to meditate because I figure if I can't sleep, at least I'm doing something good. And, you know, I know many different methods for meditating. You know, you could be concentrating on your breath. You could do a mantra. But I try to just empty my mind. I just try to think of nothing. And, you know, inevitably, of course, you think of things. And I start to think, oh, good for me. Look at me. I'm meditating. (laughs) Which means I'm not meditating because I'm congratulating myself for trying to meditate. And then, you know, I keep thinking of other things. And all of a sudden, it's like, where are the air marshals? And this story comes from a listener named Brett, and he said, uh, Dear Betty, I was recently listening to your podcast and heard a story from an American soldier about his trip out of Desert Storm. Just as a counter to that, I thought I'd relay my own. I was part of the British regime, and the airline had managed to load up on beer, and for the first 30 minutes of the flight, they were pushing trolleys laden with packs of Heineken in the short airline cans, and everyone was getting a couple at a time. Then the movie started. Well, just imagine that you've been away from home for over six months in a stressful combat situation, no alcohol at all, and then given your first beer. Now think of what the best film they could put on would be. Well, to cut a long story short, we ended up with a plane full of roughy-tuffy soldiers, all a bit merry with beer, and watching three men and a little lady. And within about half an hour, the whole plane was in tears. (laughs) That turned into one of the most surreal flights ever. We watched the film twice, drank the plane dry, and the crew said afterwards it was one of the quietest flights they'd ever had. Thanks, Brett. Well, after that last military story, I thought I would tell you a story that's going to be in my, well, supposed to be in my new Yahoo travel column. I never really know what they're going to print or how they're going to change it. I'm still not sure if I'm going to continue doing that. I think... um. I haven't been reading the comments, but I saw some people on Twitter saying, boy, there's a lot of haters. And I've gotten some mean emails. It's so funny because everybody listening to the podcast is always so nice to me. (laughs) You know, and I'm always, you know, I'm not a negative person. So I don't know why I'm getting a lot of negativity from this Yahoo travel column, except for they 
they decided to name it, which I had nothing to do with, you know, confessions of a fed up flight attendant, which of course I'm not fed up. So I'm going to try to change the title. I'm going to try to do a few things or else I'll probably stop doing it because Lord knows I don't want hate mail. (laughs) But anyway, in this newest, this week's column for Yahoo Travel, if it's published the way I wrote it, (laughs) I talk about I fly in and out of Savannah a lot, and you can expect to see like 30 young boys and girls from all over the country, and they have very little carry-on luggage. Mainly, they're holding some papers and a large manila envelope. Now, they're headed to Paris Island, South Carolina for marine basic training. The thing that always strikes me is how young they look. I swear they look like they're 15 years old. I know they must be 18 legally, but they look so young. You know, they look like they should be headed to the prom or the arcade. You know, not not to the military forces, for goodness sakes. And, you know, on the flight, you know, they could be like full of nervous energy. Some are gregarious and telling jokes. And, and me and the other flight attendant, you know, will be sitting there thinking, oh, you know, I hope they're not going to make an example out of that one, you know, and uh, some are very serious. Uh, some look just nervous. And one thing I know for sure is that these innocent, long-haired, baggy pants kids on that flight will be very different people in 13 weeks time. They will face extreme challenges and, you know, they will grow up very quickly. I don't know if I should feel happy or sad for them. All, all I know is that it makes me emotional. The airline ticket that you hold in your hand when you're at the airport, it takes you to another city or country. But these plain manila envelopes that these young people carry is a ticket to a whole nother life. And because I'm doing this, writing this, I also write about um, some of my craft experiences for this next Yahoo Travel column. And uh, let's see if I get some hate mail from that, because, you know, I don't think there's anything negative about feeling emotional about seeing young people, you know, heading into the military. I used to go to Moscow a lot uh, for flights out of Atlanta, some out of New York, and I never had, hardly ever had problems with any Russians. It was always Americans. And one time I had a guy sitting in business with a t-shirt. First of all, t-shirt in business, that was the big clue. Second of all, politically inflammatory shirt. Then taking lots of pictures and making people uncomfortable. Then consuming a little more alcohol than, than was apparent at first. And finally, when it got to the end and we were cutting him back and about ready to cut him off, he, he said, I just have one more question in a slurred kind of tone. Uh, are we going to land on the same plane we took off on. (laughs) I know this is going to be a bit of an unusual story, but I live here at the beach and we have lots of different types of bird here. I mean, it's one of my favorite things about the area is we have such nice wildlife. So I was driving to the beach and I was about to park in the beach parking lot and there was this kind of looked like a duck so a large bird but it didn't have duck feet so I wasn't sure what it was but it was it was dragging itself 
on the road and it was like all bloody underneath. And you know, I, I have just too much of a bleeding heart. I just couldn't leave this thing there. Somebody was going to hit it. You know, what happened to it? I didn't know. I, I just, I couldn't just park and go enjoy myself at the beach. So I parked my car and came back and, you know, it's had these like red eyes. It was very interesting looking bird and it didn't look like anything had happened to its wings. So I didn't know why it wasn't flying. It didn't really look like something had hit it. So I was sort of, I decided, well, uh, I'll just stand behind it and, and wave cars around. You know, I, I wasn't quite sure how to help the bird. So various people stopped, but they just kept, you know, going. And this poor thing's dragging itself across the parking lot. And then a nice young girl, long blonde hair and bikini, she stops. And, and she was like, I, I trying to call animal control. But it was the weekend and they were closed. So... I was glad to have another bleeding heart with me. <laughs> we were both concerned about this, this creature. And I said, you know what, I'll, you stay here with, we we're calling it him, don't know why. You stay here with him and watch that nobody hits him. And I'll go across the street, you know, to the beach. And it was like, it was like five to five and the lifeguards get off at five. And I was thinking, you know, I don't know if they're going to come help this poor bleeding bird, you know, when it's time for them to get off their shift. So I thought I'll go hurry up and get the lifeguard because at least maybe they, they have someone they can call, right? They should anyway. So I get to the lifeguard and she assures me that they will send someone. So I'm like, oh, shoot. But, I mean, you know, I'm going to go back because I'm not going to leave the thing by itself. So and bleeding. So now he has gotten like two more lanes. You know, it's a big parking lot. And she's happy to see that I came back. You know, I could have just left her and uh, left her as the lone bleeding heart babysitting the duck. <laughs> Anyway, I come back and I said, they say they're going to come and, you know, we feel so sorry for him and he's drug himself at this point now. He's getting even bloodier, but he's making himself bloody by dragging him across, dragging himself across this hot concrete in the parking lot. And then he would get to those, the humps, you know, the parking humps and he would go head first and the two of us would be like, oh, you know, because he's like, oh, it's just horrible. And, and. At one point, he stopped in like a grassy area, and we were both relieved. We're thinking, please stop bloodying yourself, you know, but you can't talk to him. And so I thought, well, you know, maybe he needs some water. You know, it's one of those things you always think water is going to make everything feel better. But, you know, it's hot. He's been dragging himself across concrete, and he's bleeding. So I, I had a water bottle in my car, but, you know, you can drink out of that. So I went through the trash, and I found, you know, a Starbucks cup, and I kind of ripped it. And the thing that was weird is this duck didn't seem to mind me or the other blonde. He, I guess he could tell we weren't trying to harm him. So we could get pretty close to him. And I was putting it there. He didn't seem to really, you know, they don't just like drink out of a dog bowl. <laughs> so that was kind of a bust. So now it's been like 20 more minutes. And I was thinking, you know what, they might have just been placating me, you know, they thought, oh, you know, the birds that gone or, you know, we're off duty. The both of us were getting a little discouraged thinking, you know, I was already thinking, you know, should I try to pick him up and get him in my car somehow? You know, use my beach towel? Where would I take him? Uh, I, I had trying to think of other scenarios because I was just really concerned about having to just leave the poor thing, you know, just abandon it. So finally, here comes the lifeguard truck and the two of us, we were both just like, oh, thank heavens, you know. <laughs> and then the lifeguard, uh, they sent their animal guy and uh, he said, it's a loon. And so then we're like, oh, we've been babysitting a loon. And then he explained to us that a loon can only take off with a water start. So that's why 
he was dragging himself. He's probably trying to go find water. Or, and he was like, he didn't know how he got there so far from water. But I didn't know that there were certain birds that couldn't take off from the ground. But he goes and he gets some gloves and he gets like a tarp thing. He's going to pick up this bloody loon. And he said, if he gets it to water, it should be fine. And he goes to pick it up. And the thing yelped like a like a baby, like a child. And the, the, the other blonde and I were just like, oh. Crying, crying like loons is what we were doing because we were so we were upset that the bird was upset, but we were also so happy that someone was going to take care of the bird. We weren't going to have to abandon the bird. <laughs> so literally, <laughs> I was just going to the, the beach, and I ended up, you know, being a loon over this bloody loon. These days, uh, most of the planes, especially for international planes, they all have their own little TV sets. But, you know, forever we had the big screens and everybody had to watch the same movie. It's totally normal. And this male flight attendant was telling me that, that this particular month they were showing a sad movie where the main character dies of cancer. And so on every flight they would see passengers crying. So as sort of a joke and, well, I don't know, just a way to entertain himself, he goes, hey, hey, why don't we do a tissue service right at that real tear-jerking scene. We'll go through with boxes of tissues and go, tissue, tissue. <laughs> and apparently the passengers really liked it. They were like, oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. Maybe it's a new trend, the tissue service. I happen to be sitting next to a pilot. and used to fly a Fokker. They're my favorite. <laughs> so you have a Fokker story? I do. <laughs> and what the Fokker story is, is when we used to take off with the air conditioning on, when we rotated, all the ice in the overhead would scatter to the back, and it sounded like rats running through the overheads. It scared a lot of people. So a passenger was telling me that he worked for an airline, and they were all excited when they first got their routing to Caracas, Venezuela, because they had been a smallish airline, and now they were flying on an in, to an international destination. So he said they uh, they did a whole royal service, and like we do, we did ice cream sundaes in first class, and they had a choice between chocolate and butterscotch topping. Well, when they were coming out of Caracas, the flight attendant on like the first flight said there, there, she wrote it up and everything. She's like, there's something wrong with the butterscotch topping. It's like rancid. It's, it, I, I don't even know what it is. So they investigated and it turned out that in Venezuela, they don't have anything called butterscotch. So they took it literally and just put, they knew what butter was and they knew what scotch was. So they just put butter and scotch and mixed it together <laughs> thinking that was butterscotch and they were probably thinking you know those crazy americans they put butter and, and scotch on their ice cream well that's about it for this episode of betty in the sky with a suitcase i hope you'll join me again next time so we can travel the world together thanks bye and where are the air marshals!